Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. My name's Rich, the host around these parts. So glad that you've decided to spend some time with us today to put us in your earbuds as you get ready for this weekend at your church. Excited to have Charles Stone uh, with us on the show today. He's from a church, actually from kind of my old stomping grounds, London, Ontario, uh, West Park Church. Welcome to the show today, Charles. Great to be with you, Rich. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Charles is an American who's serving in Canada. I'm a Canadian who's serving in America. So we're on an exchange program. Uh, so there you go. Uh, it's right. kind of fun to uh, to connect today. Why don't you tell us a little bit about West Park and about your ministry there? Yeah, West Park's about a 40-year-old church in another north part of London and an incredibly fast-growing area. Uh, the church has uh, been tra- traditionally traditional past three or four years began to make the shift. I came about a year and a half ago, just having a blast. The mm-hmm. people are great, uh, they're warm, they're responsive, even accepting uh, an American dude. Uh, they've been <laughs> just, just been really super. Nice, that's great. Now you're also an author. You've written a, f- a few books. Your most recent one really caught my attention and I wanna dig into that today about being a brain savvy leader. Now what motivated you to write this book? Yeah, really two motivations, one personal and one more professional. 25, 26 years ago, I really began my journey in a high chair. Not me in the high chair, hmm. my youngest daughter. Uh, she is now 28, but we discovered when she was a year old, after a, I noticed a, a quivering in her eye when I was feeding her period kumquats or something like that. We went to the doctor. He said, oh, it's probably nothing, probably a strabismus. She'll grow out of it. You go back to Atlanta, though. We were in Mississippi at the time. Just get a specialist. Check it out. He checked it out. He said, oh, no big deal. Probably a strabismus. It'll go away. But let's just do a scan anyway. Did a scan, and I can distinctly remember on the way home uh, after that scan. Opened the door of our little rental home. I started a church uh, in the Atlanta area. Phone's ringing. Picked up the phone. It was the uh, neurosurgeon who had looked at the scans. He said, Mr. Stone, we have their report. Your daughter has a lesion. I thought, you know, what is a lesion? That's like, you know, a little scrape and you put, you know, put ointment on it. Then he said some words that literally changed our lives. He says, your daughter has a brain tumor. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Fast forward 25 years later, she's doing well. Mm -hmm. She's had over a dozen brain surgeries. She's had an experimental device placed into her brain, into her chest to control seizures. And she was just horrible for many years. Doing well, and I, I saw just seeing her sick for so long. What happens when the brain physically is not right? Now, mm. I made the leap from there when I began to ask myself. You know, I'm committed to spiritual disciplines. I pray, I read the Bible, I memorize Scripture, and yet I found myself still being really anxious at times and doing all those right things. Hmm. I'd go into an elders' meeting or a staff meeting, and I'd find myself being defensive and reacting. I didn't want to be. I didn't plan on that, but I asked myself, what's going on here? Then I read a book called Your Brain at Work by uh, David Roth, and light bulbs came on. I realized, even though there may not be something physiologically wrong with our brain, Mm -hmm. stuff that goes on inside of there profoundly impacts how we do life and leadership. So that really began my journey, just finished a master's uh, degree in that and wrote the book. So that's kind of a short story over a long period of time, but that's what prompted me. 
Interesting. Now that's uh, that's fascinating. Now, you know, for a leader, obviously today, I'd I'd love people who are listening in to to get a chance to read your book because I think obviously that will give them uh, a deeper sense of what's um, you know kind of how we should be thinking about the use of the brain um, and you know how as leaders, obviously this is a critical part of what we need to think through. But what are you know an insight or two uh, that a church leader who's listening in today uh, can draw out from your research and others' research uh, for leading in their church? Yeah, yeah. One comes to mind. There's a something, a, a type of a brain cell called uh, called the neuron, which is a fundamental. That's the thinking brain cell. It's either off or it's on. Mm-hmm. And there's a subset of neurons called mirror neurons. In the 1960s, at the university in um, Parma, Italy, they were doing some research on monkeys, and at that time, they could put probes in their brains. And they, when the, when the monkey would reach for a peanut, a peanut, you could hear this crackling. And they were recording that. But they noticed something very interesting. When the researcher came in and he reached for a peanut, they would hear that same cracking. So they, as they began mm-hmm. to look at it, they began to determine that not only do monkeys have uh, these mirror neurons, but letter research showed that we do, that basically we mimic goal-directed behavior, intentional behavior. Mm-hmm. And here's one specific way how that can apply to a leader. You go in the work in the morning, you're not feeling that great. You yeah. have a bad Sunday. What you bring into the office, your emotional temperature, people catch it. Hmm. It's called emotional contagion. If you come in and you're in a good mood or you choose to have a good mood, it lifts the boats, all, hmm. all boats, you know, in the end hmm. of the water, so to speak. And I found that to be so true. Even though I feel like, you know, rotten, it doesn't mean that we're fake. Hmm. You know, sometimes we have a bad day. But if we bring in a really positive, hopeful attitude, people will catch that. If we're stinkers, mm-hmm. <laughs> People catch that too. So that's one little insight. This really helped me a lot. Hmm. Yeah, that's so true. I remember when I, you know, early on and when I started the kind of transition from I was a team member to now, okay, I'm leading a team. Um, I distinctly remember that time where I realized, you know, my, just how I carry myself, like you're saying, emotionally really does. Um, you know, lead the day for the people who are in my, you know, my little team. And that's continued as we've grown as a church and added more team members that, you know, there are times one of the the downsides of being a leader is we we lose the, uh, you know, the opportunity to just kind of react all the time. We have to think, okay, how is it that, you know, just the way I'm reacting to what's happening around us, um, how is that impacting uh, the people around us? Um, now, any other insights when you think, you know, another one, that's like, I think that's a good hook for people to think through even as they, you know, wrestle through, um, you know, the impact of the brain on their leadership as a church. Yeah. Leader. Yeah. Oh, there's so many. One yeah. comes to mind is uh, kind of understanding an emotion, kind of what I call the anatomy of an emotion. Mm. An emotion kind of goes like this. Some stimulus outside, may, uh, mm-hmm. outside of ourselves. Maybe somebody says something really stupid or offensive in a, in a meeting, mm-hmm. or we just think of something. That's called a stimulus. Mm-hmm. A stimulus uh, immediately evokes physiological things inside of us. Mm-hmm. That's the emotion. Now, we don't even feel it that. This, this is uncontrolled. When somebody mm-hmm. says something that offends you, automatically your uh, fight flight system kicks in, mm-hmm. your heart rate increases, your uh, palms get sweaty, your mouth gets dry. Mm-hmm. That happens within like uh, 0.2 seconds. Oh my goodness. Man. Within a half a second, we feel it. Mm-hmm. We have a sensation of that emotion. I'm anxious, I'm angry, I'm worried, wh- mm-hmm. whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Then, within uh, another 0.2 seconds, 
the brain begins to kick in and it assesses. Say, okay, this is what's happening. This is how I feel. It checks back into other memories of similar situations and begins to determine what am I going to do. Then we decide. All that happens in less than a second. And that little gap between when our brain really kicks in and mm -hmm. behavior, that's where the problem comes. Mm. And we react. We say something we shouldn't. Even mentally, we, we, we get on this kind of fault stream. Mm. And I see that little gap there. This is where the Holy Spirit pro plays a profound part. Mm. As we are connected and our, uh, to God and our souls are healthy and we're walking moment by moment with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, I think, creates a bigger gap. Mm. So that we have more time in here between the feeling of an emotion and our thoughts and our behavior and our reaction. Mm. So just simply knowing that this is going on in my mind, I do have this gap. I can say no to defensiveness. Mm. I can say no to, uh, to uh, debilitating worry. And on mm. this part of our brain, the right side of our brain, it's called the ventral lateral prefrontal cortex. Big word. But mm. basically, this is our brain break. Mm. This is this is where we can actually control those uh, defensive temptations, mm. and just knowing that has really helped me. In my when I feel like saying something or doing something, then I say I don't need to do this. And by the power of the Holy Spirit and the way our brain works, I don't have to mm. yield to something stupid or unfortunate. Mm. You know, I've said with my own kids even a similar thing where you know um, p things happen to us, and there's that moment between when something happens and when we react. And just for me as a leader, slowing down, or as a person, as a Christ follower, slowing down in that moment to say, Lord, how is it that you want me to react now? Um, you know, that takes a lot of work because you know we want to react. We just want to oh, yeah. act, reaction, act, reaction. Um, you know, we yeah. want to do that for sure. Well, Rich, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I, as as a guy, and mm -hmm. especially in, in uh, U.S. West Western uh, mm -hmm. culture, we've been told, you know, when you have these emotions, stuff them or suppress them yeah, or deny them, kind of yeah. get get them out of the way. Yeah. They've actually found that one of the key ways to dampen our emotional centers is labeling the emotion. So you're in a meeting, you're in a staff meeting, you're in an elder meeting. Somebody says something that really ticks you off, makes you mad, makes you fearful, whatever. Yeah. In our mind, simply saying, "Okay, God, right now I am feeling fearful." Mm. I'm feeling quite angry. I am feeling anxiety. That actually, the very fact that we label that sensation dampens our emotional centers. So it's a little something we can do right then. Yeah. And practice this. And when we're kind of alone, we can really say it out loud as, as well. Interesting. Um, now, kind of changing gears a little bit, you said early on, you know, you're in the process of kind of a change at your church, shifting from that started before you came from you know a more traditional to you know maybe more contemporary more relevant to today how have you been using kind of some of this research or some of this thinking through that process yeah yeah well i've mentioned kind of the flight flight part of us our emotional mm -hmm. centers um that's kind of deep in our brain this front part of our brain is where i thinking. this is where we want to stay most of the time although mm -hmm. emotions profoundly impact uh, influences but uh, influence us but what what i what they found out in change management is that uh, the brain hates uncertainty. Mm. Like when you go to a party and you don't know anybody, how are we going to feel? We're going to be a little bit anxious, like, yeah. I don't know anybody, what am I supposed to do? So what happens is that engage more of our emotional centers. When our emotional centers are more engaged, it dampens our ability to think clearly. Mm. So mm. in change management, one of the things I did was try to, since the brain does not like uncertainty, to create certainty. Now, we don't know what tomorrow will bring. Scripture tells us that. 
but simply things like communicating to people what's coming up, setting goals, looking at what would be that uh, preferred future, the vision, what that does, that gives people a measure of certainty, which again, corporately, diminishes that emotional reaction and helps people engage more in a thoughtful way. Hmm. So helping decrease uncertainty is a great tool to bring about a good change management. I think we've done pretty well here. You know, I've been, I certainly have messed up some here, but mm-hmm. in general, I think we've had a really positive change process. Interesting. Um, now, anything else you'd like to share with people here on, um, you know, from Brain Savvy Leaders? Yeah, I, I guess I would say is um, it's the whole brain thing is really popular today. It's the cover of Time Magazine in the U.S. and Canada. A lot of money is being spent on the brain. Mm-hmm. I would encourage ministry leaders, pastors, nonprofit leaders, leaders in Christian leaders in the in the business world, learn about the brain. Mm-hmm. Don't don't be behind the eight ball. You know, Christians tend to be slow learners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's get out on the front end of this. Learn, read, follow blogs. Of, mm-hmm writing about this so that we can use this incredible insight about this thing God's given us to bring Mm -hmm. better leaders and be better people. This is the Unseminary Podcast. Stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Well, we're going to jump into that part of the show we call the lightning round. This is the part of the show where we ask similar questions of everybody who's on the show today. I'm privileged, honored to have Charles Stone with us. He's a pastor um, from West Park Church in London, Ontario, Canada. He also has written a great book that I'd love for you to check out called Brain Savvy Leaders, the Science of Significant Ministry. Um, so, um, you know, what's a, an online resource that you've been using, Charles, that has had a you know positive impact on your on your ministry? Yeah, churchleaders.com. I subscribe to that. They're great posts. Great, some great leaders post on there. And you can get it weekly, or you can get it every day. Right. Great, right. great resource. Very cool. Um, what's a book you've read in the last, you know, say six months that's had an impact on your your thinking or ministry? Yeah, one book. It's a secular book, and a lot of secular books on brain study. You got to kind of read them carefully. Right. But fully, fully present talks about this concept of mindfulness, being present in the moment. Mm. It's a good book written by a scientist, but somebody who also kind of a little, little far out of the theological realm, but it's a right. very helpful book, been, been helpful for me. Yeah, great to pick through it, find the meat in it, and spit yep, out the yep. bones. That's right, <laughs> sure. yeah. Um, if you could spend 15 minutes with any leader alive today, who would you want to spend that with and why? I think Bill Hybels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I sat like three places down from him at a dinner one, di- one time, and I've heard him speak and read his books. Just really respect his consistency as a man of God, as well as his, excuse me, as well as his uh, his leadership ability. Yeah, he's a great leader for sure, definitely. All right, so when you're not writing, you know, I respect pastors who can write books and also, you know, lead growing churches. That's that's incredible. But when you're not doing all that, uh, how do you kind of just kick back and, um, you know, just have, uh, you know, just have a little bit of fun? I love to read and love to go to movies with my wife, and sometimes I can twist her arm to go see an Avengers movie, those kind of (laughs) movies. (laughs) That's great. Well, I really appreciate you being on the show today, Charles. If people want to get in touch with you or learn more about the book, all that kind of thing, how can they do that? Yeah, my uh, website, charlesstone.com, two S's in there, charlesstone.com, and I blog twice, uh, twice a week, and they can learn about me there. Nice. Thanks so much, Charles. Have a great week. Thanks, Rich. 
Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary. <laughs>